What's good, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. They are the go-to for digital music distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get your music onto Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and more. They offer unlimited uploads, and artists keep 100% of their earnings in stores 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor. Fastest payouts. They help out with automatic splits, cover song clearance, and all kinds of other amazing tools and templates to help you get the most visibility for your releases. I dig this company and really appreciate their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians, bands, studio artists, DJs, and any other creators that are producing music in their home. And they also offer label services as well. They're distributing over a third of the world's digital music at this point. And the best part about DistroKid sponsoring the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable services even cheaper. Check out the link in the episode notes. I will also put it in my Instagram bio in the link tree. Click that link and it will give you 30% off your first year of service. Super stoked to have DistroKid sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their support of this thing. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Produce Row Cafe here in Portland, Oregon. This has become one of my favorite local hangs because they have free music every Wednesday night from 6 to 8 p.m. and Sunday afternoons 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. They are located in inner southeast Portland and not only do they offer free music on their their large patio setup, but they've also got a killer brunch menu from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Saturdays and Sundays. The French toast and the breakfast sandwich are lights out. And I can't really do much alcohol personally, but I love their Virgin Bloody Marys. And they've got some other mocktails for folks like me as well. And they're always rotating in new seasonal cocktails. So come through and check out what they've got on deck for fall and winter down there. The patio is now nice, covered, and heated and will be throughout the fall and winter. So come through and big thanks to Produce Row for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so. And that will help propel this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts, which will give it more visibility on the national and international levels, helping strangers find the podcast and just a great way to contribute to the growth and sustainability of this thing. Appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to do so. If you're not listening on Apple, just hit like, follow, subscribe, wherever you are listening from. 
tell a friend about the podcast. Uh, you can find it on Spotify now, and I've also been dropping monthly playlists there every month as well. Every first of the month, those are coming out, keeping it pretty wide genre-wise. Just a little snapshot of what I've been listening to during the month. And the link for that Spotify profile will be in the episode notes if you want to tap in to that. Hope everybody is doing well out there. Been getting a lot of sunshine here in Portland, Oregon these last five days, which is pretty surprising um, for this time of year. I've just been uh, incredibly, uh, I've just been shocked every morning when I open the blinds to find that the sun is out again and that there's no rain. And I know it's not going to last forever, but it's been a nice little break here in the middle of winter in the Pacific Northwest. And I'm excited to give you this episode, episode 293. Skylar Gudaz is on the podcast this week out of Durham, North Carolina. Maybe the first North Carolina-based artist to be on the show. I'm trying to think back to whom else might be from there, but either way, stoked to get into this one. Her record cinema that came out in 2020 is one of those that you take the time to listen to front to back and if you have the patience for the record in its entirety there's a lot of payoff and this one just hit me at the right time and this episode will feature tunes from that record throughout it and it's still pretty often that I kind of have these what the fuck moments of what I'm doing with my life now that I parted from the day job last May And in the best of ways, it's kind of, uh, you know, that what the fuck emotion is, is definitely rooted in gratitude that, uh, strangers continue to be willing to talk to me about their music and their art. And so for three weeks ago to have no knowledge about who Skylar Gudas was, and then to stumble upon her, her cinema record, which connected heavy and compelled me to reach out to her to see if she was down to chat and just get a warm and willing response to do so is is something that continues to amaze me and uh and it seems like it still just always goes back to the same thing and it's just like being willing to to put yourself out there and and knock on the doors and that's something I I got to talk with Suzanne Santo a little bit late last year and uh she's an amazing songwriter who's currently on tour but yeah just a big part of making things happen is just going after the idea or uh being willing to send that email and introduce yourself and knocking on those doors and having the willingness to do so has just continued to result in good things for me and it doesn't mean that there isn't the the fair share of rejections and maybe I get responses from one out of every seven emails or you know two out of 20 but sometimes the right people the ones you really want to talk to respond and uh this is this is a, a long roundabout way for me to say big thanks to Skylar for taking the time to chat with me and if you're new to her music as I was and you enjoy what you hear in the episode check out the full batch of tunes 
buy yourself a vinyl copy of her cinema record. If you're new to the podcast and you are listening because you are a fan of Skylar, I hope you really enjoy this chat. She was awesome, super kind, and had some really good laughs and got the opportunity to learn where her tunes come from. And uh, if you dig this one, go back, listen to some previous episodes, and tune into I Dig Records every other Wednesday talking about different albums, doing the deep dive with uh, a guest co-host each episode. And before we get into this episode, just want to put a few dates on your calendar. If you're in the Portland area this Sunday, January 30th, I am DJing at Produce Row Cafe. From noon to two, come through for the brunch vibes. They've got DJs there every Sunday, noon to two. Also at Produce Row Cafe, a couple Thursday night gigs, two really great songwriters based out of Portland, one being on February 10th, and that is Leah Huser. And then February 17th, Ronnie Carrier will be over there at Produce Row. From 6 p.m. to 8 p.m., every Thursday night, free music, Slide through all the links for the sponsors of the episode and the links for Skylar Gudas will be in the episode notes as well as my email. Feel free to reach out. Hope everyone is doing well out there. Hope you're finding some good people to surround yourselves with and hope that you're finding the resources that you need if you are going through it out there. If you're struggling, you know. I've been struggling with some shit. I'm terrible at, uh, you know, letting things build up in my head. So I'm going to go ahead and start some therapy this week. So that's that's pretty cool, you know. So don't be uh, don't be afraid to go talk to somebody. I know it's uh, it's not easy to do that that sort of work and want to reflect on things to to try to get better and make your existence better but it can be a powerful thing at least from my own personal experience with it but I'm pretty terrible about letting things build up in my head and trying to handle everything on my own and I can uh, I can usually pull it off for a really long time until I hit that that breaking point and then things don't start to feel as as smooth around me so I'm uh I'm excited. I'm eager to uh get in to this work this time and and try to put myself a little bit more at ease. And if you need some help out there, I'll put a I'll put a resource link in the episode notes as well for that. Until then, take care of yourselves. Be well. We're getting in to episode 293. Skylar Gudas is on the podcast, and we're kicking it off with the first track from her cinema album, which is the way I was introduced to her music. It's called Femme Fatale. Let's do the damn thing. Ain't you heard that? Babe, I'm troubled. And I've been looking for you. You can blame it on the stars 
about your cinema record which i recently have fallen in love with and my oh, awesome my vinyl copy is on the way and i'm very excited Yay. um Yay. i think i just stumbled upon it recently maybe an instagram kind of sponsored posts for the record and i checked out one of the cool. songs and i had to hear the rest of the album after i heard that femme fatale rec- uh song that kicks off the album so Oh, thank you for saying that. Yeah, that's a, that's, uh, that I think has become like the most popular song from, from the record, from what I can tell. And which makes me really happy because it's, uh, it's the first song on the record. So it really sets the mood and yeah, I'm glad you connected with it. Yeah. I was, I was just talking to somebody about, um, albums where each song kind of feels like it contains the same spirit of the album throughout the record and i i kind of feel like that opening track on cinema definitely uh carries that spirit throughout the album Mm, that's awesome yeah i mean if you're in the business of making the medium of albums it's like it's always interesting to me the opening tracks you know there's so many different ways you can go but i love it when an opening track sort of like gives hints at the ideas that are going to be there throughout um yeah yeah especially now i feel like you people's attention spans seem to be growing shorter and shorter so that's that's also just if you don't come out swinging with something at the top it's it's tough to to reel people in for the whole thing 
So true. Come out, come out strong. <laughs> so, uh, you grew up in North Carolina or you're based there? So I'm based in Durham, North Carolina, but I grew up, uh, in Ashland, Virginia, which is, uh, not, not too far away from Durham. Okay. But yeah, small town, rural, uh, Virginia. And I saw that you, uh, you play a wide variety of instruments. So how did you get started playing music and what was that first instrument that grabbed you? So I, well, my family's really musical and my dad plays the piano and my mom sings and, um, also plays the piano. And so there was just always music in our house, always around. And I played, I started playing the flute when I was five. That was like my first instrument. And then I kind of, you know, there were guitars around and there was a piano around and I just kind of found my way around those. For sure. Uh, when was it that you started, uh, writing down some words? Well, the, uh, the myth of my family is that my first, I sang my first words. So I think that I have always been, I, I just have been writing songs for as long as I can remember. I remember like, uh, consciously thinking I am writing a song now, like hmm. probably in you know, middle school, but I was, I was always like making up songs and singing them to myself and, and making up words. Yeah. Even when you started playing instruments, did you gravitate more towards creating your own stuff rather than learning covers? Absolutely. I did. And I mean, I think that that's a, I think that's common with people who teach themselves things. It my avenue into the instruments was, um songwriting in a lot of ways and at versus the mastery of an instrument at the beginning anyways um but i did i did teach myself covers like simon and garfunkel i think was some of the first things i played on the guitar and were you uh playing music with other people outside of your family when you're in junior high and high school i was i wasn't really in bands but i would like uh, my mom was like in the, had an old time group that she would go to and we would like sing with them and just singing with the family. But I started playing in bands when I went to college. I went to UNC Chapel Hill um, to study theater and creative writing. And then I just joined bands instead and um, <laughs> have been doing that pretty much ever since. Being that you had such a musical family and there was music being played all the time. Do you feel like that made it? easy for you to perform in front of people and not be so shy in that regard? Mm, I, I think so, but there is, it's interesting because I was a, since I was like from a theater background and the songwriting, I was like dead son on studying theater and um, playing a character in a show is like a very different performance space than mm. it is where a lot of my like songwriting stuff, especially early on was like, so personal it felt like it felt very hard to perform them actually um and i think it took me a while to get to a place with my songs where i could like reconcile the songs i was writing with the person that i the experience i wanted to have on yeah. stage and the, like the person i wanted to be on stage yeah for sure i'm also always curious with you know a songwriter like yourself that is maybe uh you know, leans into the vulnerability and like the rawness of the 
the tunes and the lyrics, you know, when you're harping upon heavy sub subjects, if that, mm. you know, inhibits you from moving on from certain things, or is it like, mm. do you think about, you know, how it's going to be to play this song in five years? And is it going to make it harder to move on from things or, you know, things mm. of that nature? Absolutely. And I feel like once I like toured a little bit and I thought, I was thinking more about like what it felt like to present a show to people um, around my songs. I definitely think that I, that I took that into account when I was writing some of the songs, which is not to say that I like changed um, the songs are like still very personal and still very like, you know, close, but I think I started thinking about them in terms of how, what would be a song I would want to stand on stage and sing, you know, for the next five years or, or whatever. But yeah, I think it is interesting too, when you have those really personal songs and it can be really intense to like dredge them back up. And I do find that I don't, unless somebody specifically requests them, I, I don't gravitate towards playing those live as much because it can be a really intense experience. Although, you know, you're, you're moving on and and if you've written a song about it and you're and you're there uh you probably have moved past it in a certain way yeah. i mean i guess you're working it out in some regard if you're singing yeah. about it or you know having to deal with arrangements around it and just kind of immersing yourself in it sure sure did you find when you got to when you went to school in north carolina that you uh we're playing a little more music than you thought you would be as far as going there to pursue writing in, in the theater. Definitely. Definitely. I, there was like a really great scene that I didn't realize when I, I came here and I just kind of like fell into it. And once that happened, I was like, Oh, you could, you know, there's in, in the area where I was, there's like merge records and there are all these great little clubs and there's the cat's cradle and um nightlight and the cave they're all these like chapel hill great places to play and it just felt very not that not that it was easy because it's not easy to be a, a musician but uh there was a scene and it felt really exciting and so i definitely found myself being drawn to that it felt more immediate than the stuff i was doing in school yeah it, it just seems like there's there's this vibe that comes out of that area as well, you know, with the mm. the watch house stuff or yes. you know, formerly known yeah. as Mandolin Orange. Um yes. and I know we, my my good buddies. Nice. Yeah. Just an amazing band and yeah. um that band Valley Maker, I think, is from, Valley that, from Maker. that area. Yeah, we, I toured with them. Yes, yes. From uh, Greenville, South Carolina, I think. Yeah. Yes. Um, love, love the Valley Maker stuff. I just saw them a month, a month or so back. Amazing. That's wonderful. But yeah, it, it seems to, uh, carry this, this vibe. Do you think that, uh, that's just enlarge the, the environment influencing the music coming out of there? Or is that something that, that you mm. experience pretty heavy with environment influencing the, the music or the art that you're making? Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm a creature of what what's around me and very heavily influenced by whatever's going on. In fact, it's about to snow. I'm like looking out my window right now because 
And I don't, you, you said you spent, are you from North Carolina or you spent no. time in North Carolina? No, I've just, no. I've, I've never been to really oh, that wow. area okay. of the country except for, I, I guess Florida is the, the closest I've made it to. And I feel like that's its own, <laughs> that's its own thing. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well then let me tell you about North Carolina, that it like where we live, it rarely snows. So, and when it does snow, it's like a slushy mess, but uh, we've had like a snowflake on the weather like all week and so I'm, I'm like looking out the window very excited that we might get our like <laughs> one chance at snow this winter but all that is to say yeah I think it's a really great environment and it, it's beautiful there's ocean nearby there's mountains nearby there's you know rich old forests and um, people you know who are really connected to the earth around them and to the land around them. And so I think that that, um, that absolutely gets reflected in, in the music. kind of keep picking up new instruments over time yeah I d- I think it was kind of like what can I what, what can I accompany myself to and, and and sing along with and the piano was the first one that kind of like made sense to me because you just kind of see it in front of you and then I just taught myself guitar by you know learning chord shapes and um and going from there and, and tuning it weird ways and messing around like that do you feel like having a bunch of different writing tools is helpful to you as far as maybe not getting uh wrapped up in writer's block or things of that nature and just kind of being able to jump on different instruments to see where that might guide you as far as the the songwriting absolutely absolutely i think that's really helpful for trying to chase chase the magic yeah for sure knowing now that you have this theater background kind of I don't know. It makes sense to me listening to the records, especially with all the the big arrangements and maybe even more in, in the Oleander stuff with the, the first full length. Absolutely. Yeah. It, I think it's, um, yeah, I think that the theatrical element, I don't, I don't know. It's hard for me to say about my, my own records, but I do know that I feel like the theatrical background makes me think about singing in a way that um and like being a a deliverer of the song Mm. and um that i think i i definitely think about my my acting training when i think about that yeah do you think that maybe attributes to some of the depth that's on the records i feel like there's uh one of the things like I really dig specifically maybe with the the cinema record is uh just 
the patience maybe shown throughout the album mm. to let things build and to get to these big moments? Oh, that's cool. Thank you for saying that. Um, I mean, I think that I feel the, <laughs> I like to feel and hear the drama of things. So yeah. it, I definitely think that I look for that dynamically in my arrangements and, uh, on stage volume wise like i love that that the sort of like visceral experience of an electric guitar or like a huge um bass synth or or just like the you know the like reverberation of a piano and i feel like that just feeling that in your body that that definitely is a, is a guide for me yeah and is that pretty reflective of the music that you enjoy listening to as well Sometimes, but you know, I also love, yes, it is. And I also, I love all kinds of music. So most recently actually I've been on like some really big ambient kicks. So, which is, I mean, those can get really dramatic and, and sound uh, wavy, but uh, I think, I think it goes all over the place for me. I mean, I think that's also nice too, and probably informs the the future writing when you're kind of dipping into a, a bunch of different stuff. Totally, totally, totally. Yeah. And I have a, um, I have a new record that's, that's already done and I can't really talk about, uh, when it's going to be out or how it's going to be out, but I'm, I'm really excited for, for that and, and for you to hear it. I'm super stoked, especially after, like I said, I've just fallen in love heavy with this, this cinema album. And I know I'm, I know I'm late to the game on it, Skylar, but it, uh, oh. <laughs> it's a, it's a really amazing record. Oh, thank you so much. Well, you're not that late. We had we this a pandemic, you know. <laughs> what is time? What is time? Right. <laughs> what do you remember about making the the Oleander record? And do you feel like that really informed the way you went about making cinema? I think it did. Um, whether or not I really consciously was thinking that at the time, but Oleander was made up over. Uh, kind of a long period of time and so and there were lo- we we brought in a lot of different people but a lot of it was just like me and Chris Stamey at his studio um and at the Fidelitorium and that was like really it was really special and and he brought in a lot of people that 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 he was connected to that I got to meet sort of like through him and um Ken Vandermark was one of those people that I met through him and doing these big star shows and that just like really enabled for some, for some special moments in the recording of that record. And yeah, that, man, it feels like so long ago now, you know, um, but that was really my first experience in like making a, a solo record where I was in charge of all the decisions. And so I think in thinking about it, I feel like, such a little kid in some ways because I feel so yeah it's just very it's very kind of sweet to remember that time you know a lot of that record has maybe some brighter tones than the the cinema album but then you get For into real. uh yeah totally it does it's it's way brighter yeah but but then you get into like <laughs> I want to be with you in the darkness and I feel like that's like a cool indication of what's to come with with cinema yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That song is a bridge. Let me carry your burdens all the while. 
So did you feel like you had uh, your feet under you a little bit more when you went in to, to make the cinema record after having that first full-length experience of making Oleander? You know, in some ways, but in other ways, no. Um, because I think I was kind of like really out on my own when I was making cinema. And I worked with a few different um, producers and I kind of had to like I was more, I was more like my, my thing where I kind of had to like take it and make hard choices and take it other places. And um, I mean, it was, it was really fantastic. And I worked on it at, um, in Wisconsin at April base, which is an amazing studio with Brad cook, um, which was a really special experience. And, but it was a lot of, it was kind of like, us, it was a snowstorm there. I'm like, go uh, journey back in my mind. It felt a lot like making that record was like a little bit of a dark night of the soul because um, there was a lot of like searching and a lot of, it, it took some time. It took some time to like get it where I wanted it to be. Um, but so I guess in that ways, it does feel like a natural evolution from Oleander because I think I was kind of like in a safer harbor in Oleander. And then for cinema, I was like a little bit more striking out on my own. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I feel like all of that comes through in that cinema record too. You know, like the cool. searching and that, the desperation at times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it's a heavy yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And then I made it and then it was the pandemic. I didn't even know. <laughs> Little did I know. <laughs> Do you remember what the first song that you wrote for cinema was? Oh, God. What was it? It was... I mean, Femme Fatale was one of the first ones. Femme Fatale was one of the first ones where I was like, this is this is the record. This is what I want the record to be. Yeah. I, I also saw that that album seem like there was a lot of different people that engineered and you know that there's different producers on it which i think is pretty yeah. impressive just because i think that the cohesiveness of the project i would i would never know if you told me you know you worked on it with one person that would make sense too so it's, it's cool that it still oh, has cool. that that flow and that feel throughout oh thank you for saying that yeah i mean that was always you know, that's always a worry when you're when you're going different places. But I did always believe in the like narrative of the record. So I was like, if it makes I know that it makes sense to me. And so I I believe that the you know, that the listener will hear that. And then when when I was um, getting it mastered at Peerless Mastering with uh, Jeff Lipton and Maria Rice, we we talked a lot about that, about sort of like making sure to bring in the the more rock and roll elements and like the softer, more acoustic elements. Um, yeah, I guess I'm trying to think, I think go away might've been the very first 
song that I wrote for wrote for that record. That was an earlier early on one and Rider. Yeah, it feels like feels like so many lifetimes ago now. It's, it's so funny. Yeah, thinking about Go Away, are you mostly writing on keys these days or during that process were you writing a lot on keys or is it pretty balanced it's pretty balanced it's pretty whatever whatever is coming and sometimes i'll write it on piano and then move it to guitar and and vice versa um and but go away was like a definitely like a piano riff it like grew out of a riff and um yeah so that one was always going to be a piano stuff maybe the the vocal approach comes a little more rhythmically from that because of the the nature of the instrument definitely for a song like go away which is like super rhythm heavy and kind of jangly um but then there are other ones on the piano that are more like i feel like the piano is a is a place where i could be floatier in a way yeah vocally for sure and do you think that uh, having knowledge of a bunch of different instruments also like really helps you understand where you should be delivering the vocal over and what you should not be stepping over? Mm, I definitely, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know if it is the knowledge of the different instruments. I'm sure that like opens up the um, the ideas for how to approach it because it is also, it is always to me like what is right for the song, you know, like, what is the, what does the song need? What does the song want um, to, and, and it is usually based around the vocal performance and like, how will that, how will it feel that feel correct? You know? Yeah. I really appreciated the, the shifts in pace on the album as well. Like you've got, you know, the opening track, femme fatale and actress but then you like lean into something as synth pop heavy as as play nice which is this super upbeat jam which got like really amazing hooky vibes and i just love i love that synth part that happens like in the middle of that track it's just so good and uh but it's right in the middle of these other songs that you know can feel so devastating or like reflective of like exhaustion at mm. times you know like moving into the right into the rawness of of rider to follow that one up oh yeah well yeah it is it's definitely <laughs> it's definitely the full spectrum of emotions for yeah. sure and um i i think that that you know, I've been interested to try different things that feel like more albums that are more like of a mood, you know, um, like one mood. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's that's a lot. You know, <laughs> they're like, but what about just like what this is great, but like then it changes. I wanna 
but you know that's that's kind of my experience of life and so and and i love records like that like i i love records where uh you stop and you're like what is going on (laughs) you know um i mean i also love a record that you put on in the background and you just like feel to you know and go about your day but i am a huge huge fan of records where you're like what the fuck is happening? Yes. <laughs> yes. I think, yeah, that's definitely what resonated for me in that full range of emotions just continued to like unfold as I was listening to it. And uh, yeah, just like the rawness of something like Riders, like definitely what draws me in, keeps me there throughout the record. And everything else to me is just like bonus that the arrangements are killer and the record just like sounds great. Oh, awesome. Yeah, thank you. I mean, that's, if there's, you know, the vulnerability always, that's where I, that's where I connect and that's where, yeah, that's, that's the music I love too. Is I just, if I believe you, if I believe that you're feeling something when you're like delivering whatever it is you have to deliver, like I am, I'm there. Yeah, there's definitely, it's undeniable at that point. Totally, totally. And uh, yeah, that's what I, that's what I got out of your your tunes for sure. Listening back and I don't know, it just felt like a lot was being revealed through the music and whatnot. So. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. As they come to sing real sweet when the night birds come and the hourglass and the sea. Hey everybody, just wanted to take a quick minute to let you know that this episode of the podcast is sponsored by North 45 Pub, located in the Alphabet District of Northwest Portland. They've got a killer selection of Belgian beers and an extensive liquor wall with over 200 bottles. Muscles and Fritz are on the menu, their cheeseburger is lights out, and they've always got some killer weekly specials as well. Aside from the menu items and beverages, they've got this awesome covered patio that is heated throughout the fall and winter with a bunch of big screens to watch all your favorite sports. And the best part is they have DJs playing tunes there every Tuesday night from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. and Sundays 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. So come through North 45 Pub for some tunes and some food. Let's get back to the episode. Do you like to sit in with mixing sessions and and things like that oh hell yeah i'm a control freak (laughs) (laughs) i am not laid back (laughs) much to the chagrin of everyone i work with no yeah does, does that make it hard for you to like get out of your own way at times in the creation of a record for sure for sure and i mean i'm i'm not a i'm being a little hard on myself. I definitely, I love to collaborate with people. And so I love to allow people to, you know, you can't, you don't want to micromanage creativity. So um, in that regard, I definitely love, you know, I like to hear what people are bringing to the table, but yeah, I got to get out of my own way all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Note to self. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and as far as like when you're p- 
putting together the bones of a song and those initial ideas? Are you someone that likes to hold those close to you until you feel like they're more fleshed out? Or do you like to share with people and kind of hear their thoughts on what you're working on? Yeah, I, I keep it close a little bit until it's, it, unless there's like a few people I feel like I, I trust uh, just for whatever reason, you know, you don't know why it is that <laughs> some people you're like, okay, I feel comfortable talking to you about this or I, you know, it's just like chemical maybe. But um, so there's some people I'll share it with, but when a, when a song is like coming into existence with me, then I usually kind of have to keep it close to the chest. It's like a baby until it like gets a little, like can stand on its own feet a little bit because uh, I'm really sensitive. And so if I get, you know, like if you, if I sort of open it up too soon, then it kind of, you can lose it a little Mm. bit. Um, So it's like, it's a timing thing, but, but then once, once I feel confident enough in it, I'm like, I love to tell my trusted people is I'm like, listen to this, you know, very excited about it. Yeah. And as it progresses and gets like closer to the finished project, then is it easier for you then at that time to open up to the other ideas in the room and not feel like it's going to kill the, the spirit or the energy of the track? Definitely. And like one, one workaround I have for that too, is I have like uh, this, this new record I was working with, a good friend of mine, Ari Picker, who has a studio called Goth Construction Studios. And he, and Ari did some work on cinema as well. But I will go in with the song pretty much done, like the, the songwriting of it, the bones of it. And I'll just be like, I'm going to make a demo. And so like me saying to Ari that it's going to be a demo, like sort of like switches off this mm. uh, thing. And then I can be like, then I'm like really open to like trying lots of different things out and yeah. And working with Ari is like great in that capacity. Cause he'll just be like, yeah, it's a song. Let's do it. <laughs> it's, it's wild how you just frame things a little different. You could say it's this thing and, and everything changes. <laughs> it's all about, I know it's all about tricking yourself. Yeah. It's all a mind fuck, <laughs> but it's true. It's, it's, it's how it goes. <laughs> Did you have to spend a lot of time with uh, putting together the sequencing of cinema, being that it was uh, recorded in different places, and was it difficult to try to figure out where the where the pieces fit, or uh, do you try to not get too caught up in that? There was some questioning, I remember, but something that when I was working with Brad, and I know we talked about Femme Fatale already, but when I was first like playing him the bones of the songs and he heard that song, he was like, that should be your first song, which I had not considered that at the time. And then once we made that decision and, and things fell in line around it, it made, it made it easier to sort of um, talk about it. But there was for a while we were like, well, maybe, you know, there was some short staying was maybe going to be at the end, but I always felt really, strongly about waitress being at the end because um i love this idea of like the last line being like i could be no one else and you know the and the record is all about all the different people you can be but i love that that was the sort of beginning or that was the ending statement of of the speaker of that record 
that concept come from for this idea of like all these different people that you could be i mean i think it came from the experience of being alive (laughs) i like you know and i think this is true for every person you know that you go into different places and you are sort of like relationally different in different spaces Mm. you know we contain multitudes right um but in, in my experience of like being an actor and being in the, you know, there's all this sort of thinking about uh, who are you and who, who are these characters you play and um, how, you know, you have to present these sort of versions of yourself and, and there, it can be like armor, but it can also be, um, it can also be freeing, you know, mm. I think about, I always talk about Dolly Parton, but I think about somebody like Dolly Parton who like yeah, is a hero of mine. And, you know, she has this like sort of like armor, her, her look and her, uh, her performance of herself as Dolly is like this shield that she gets to walk through the world with, you know, that sort of enables her to perform and connect in these ways that, that you wouldn't that are sort of subversive i i just feel like yeah listening to the listening to the tunes and in the the record it's just i'm often awaiting these moments there's there's just mm. like all these lines throughout that i look forward to and hit heavy and one of those is uh is animal i especially enjoy animal and not just the the lyrics but like the the guitar playing in that one specifically is really great and uh but yeah the lyrics that has that line of is there any place i haven't left my heart and that Mm. one that one sticks around heavy for me (laughs) oh yeah that's i mean that's how I feel, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you feel like that too? Yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely. Like... <laughs> it's just like, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where you're like listening to a record and someone says something and it's just like, oh, that's, yeah, it's that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's wild. And that song, I um, I wrote that in, in England when I was on a tour and I got locked out of... The, I've told this story a million times, but I got locked out of uh, the club where I was playing, as I say in the song. And um, so I kind of like wrote that to myself walking around. But it's wild how you can like go a place and you feel like you've been there before, but you've never been there. And yeah, you just think of all the places you've been and you're like, I still feel like I'm there. Yeah. Am I there? Maybe, 
Some part of me is there. Some part of me that was there is here, you know. Is there any place I haven't left my heart? Sad in the water, skin in the dark. And oh. touring before the pandemic hit i thought you were gonna say were you doing a lot of drugs (laughs) (laughs) i just figured that was a part of the tour (laughs) (laughs) no um i was doing especially as before i was writing as i was writing cinema i was doing a, a fair amount of touring yeah was it difficult to rein all that in and have that kind of not be a part of your life for a couple years and not really have that camaraderie and get to play in front of people. Yeah, absolutely. It allowed a break that like I wouldn't have taken otherwise voluntarily, but um, I'm really actually in hindsight grateful for, and I think it allowed me to reconnect to the like true honor and joy that it is to play on a stage. Is the theater and the creative writing a pretty big part of your life still? Theater and film, I will like go in and out. I feel like it's an ongoing, ongoing, long-term open relationship with with theater and acting. Um, and yes, I write all I write all the time. I'm working on some things right now, so I feel like the the theater and the writing and the and the music all go together yeah well the like if you're just doing some creative writing does that often flow into lyrics for you and and themes for certain songs it definitely can it definitely can i think things i think some things are easier to write about in a in a long form in an essay um and then some things feel feel right for songs but i've always said that my muse is contrary like the minute that I'm like, I'm going to write a song. Then I'm like, oh no, wait, actually I want to write this other thing. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, I'm going to like do this. The- I'm like in theater right now. Then I'm like, oh my God, well, here's a whole album of songs that I am ready to write. Yeah. Is it nice for you to maybe not have to put all of the pressure on one of those outlets too, as far as your expressions and creativity? For sure. For sure spread it around yeah and maybe get to bring some of the acting into the making of the music videos and whatnot absolutely yeah totally a visual a visual experience i, I saw you did that uh if i were a carpenter cover yes what inspired you to uh to do that that's that recording is from a long time ago and 
I just have had that it's been on YouTube for a while and it's really people have really always received it very well um, and I had that recording and it had never been on any of the you know available di digitally or anything like that so I just wanted to go ahead and and put it there and um, but yeah I I love that song I've always loved that song and all the versions of that song and Tim Harden is amazing yeah super super cool rendition of that one um, oh thank you do you often learn cover songs now I do I mean yes I do I love I love to play cover songs and yeah I did a, I released a version of Wichita Lineman a few years ago too um, and yeah if there's I love I love to cover songs I yeah. love to sing songs I love to hear I feel like when an artist covers a song it's like a love letter to that song you know because they they connect with it and so I always love hearing um, I love I love hearing what songs other artists decide to do yeah and do you also is it also helpful just for your own songwriting at times just to like see how pieces of other songs have come together absolutely you're like what is what's going on here why is this the most beautiful thing I've ever heard in the world and like why is why does this chord make me want to live and you're like oh because they did a walk down and the, okay so I can like do that or you know or where it's like in open whatever and you're like okay well that sounds really resonant and beautiful and it's definitely informative with other folks as far as playing in their bands or recording parts for other people as well or is it usually just your your solo material that you're working on so i'm pretty focused on my solo material now but i love i've played on a bunch of albums and love to sing harmonies and i've toured with i toured in a band called big stars third i've played with them a bunch and uh i sang as part of his golden messenger Oh, nice. A few years ago, um, I sang with Eric Bachman. I've done done a few tours like that, sang with this awesome local band, Dante High. So yeah, I love to do that. And that's that's equally rewarding in a different way. But yeah, a little little more just fun and not have to uh have so much pressure on yourself for putting together tunes and your own performances. It's a great way to like reconnect to the joy of performing because yeah, absolutely. You're, you're like, Oh, there's, this is just, just fun. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Who's been like the person who's maybe had the biggest impact on how you operate as like an artist or mm. just someone maybe that has said something to you that, that helped click things into perspective that maybe helped you approach things moving forward? Hmm. I, wow. So many people, there's a, actually a friend of mine, Lauren Hodge, who is, uh, 
connected to the music industry for many years in many different ways. Um, but she once gave me the advice. She was like, be your biggest, baddest self. I've always loved that because, um, kind of what we were talking about earlier about, you know, when you write these really personal songs and then translating them to the stage, there, there was something that was unlocked for me when I was like, Oh, I can be, I can, you know, I can be this big, bad version of myself. I think when you perform under your own name too, you know, it's hard to know when, what is you and what is the performer and like, what's, what's being presented, you know, like where are the boundaries? Mm. And um, so I loved, I love thinking about that as like a, as like an alter ego, you know, and um, there's so many wonderful like pieces of advice that I've gotten through the years that are, are mantras that I don't even remember where they, where they came from. But I think, you know, that, yeah, that's, that's one that sticks out to me. But in terms of like people whose performances uh, I love and whose careers I love. I think just anybody that like goes out on stage and, and takes chances and like tries to, tries to transcend with the audience. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. There's uh that goes back to that, that undeniable thing when you, when you witness something like that and it's this unforgettable experience and whether you've seen or know the artist before you go in, uh, is is always impactful when you know that somebody kind of leaves it all out there on stage and is fully yeah. immersed in the experience as much as the audience. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. It's not, you know, as the performer, it's not about you and it's not about the audience, but it's just about all of you mm. together having this experience, you know, and that's super magical stuff to me. Well, I'm super stoked that I uh, I stumbled upon your music. I'm so glad, Dan. It's been really wonderful talking to you. Yeah, I appreciate you uh, giving me some of your time, and I'm super excited to to hear this next record that you have on deck. And I'll definitely put all the links in the episode notes so people can uh, keep up with what you're doing and maybe get you know. Maybe some somebody wants to pick up their own vinyl copy of Cinema. Those are, are definitely available, and yes. excited to put mine on my uh, my turntable. I want to play the episode out with "Have We Met, Sir." Oh wow! Yes. Oh, incredible! Thank you. That's awesome. A deep cut. A deep cut. This is my favorite record. Favorite song on the record, Skylar. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. It. Uh, I don't know. This was. This is the one. This is the the one that I found to be most powerful, I guess, when mm. when listening through and I've listened again a few times today before uh having this this chat with you and as far as that the the depth and the the patience of the songwriting that I was talking about, I think this is this is definitely a great example of just how this song builds up in the middle and whatnot and uh it gives me Strangely enough, this song gives me Phil Collins vibes, who is my favorite dude of all time. Amazing. And Amazing. Yeah, he's got this song <laughs> called Roof is the Roof is Leaking on the Face Value album. Okay. And I don't know that song. It's kind of listen to it. It's a little more, I would say, lo-fi. 
than this song, which is also cool because it was in the 80s and he was just on that lo-fi tip already (laughs) ahead of the game. But uh, yeah, it has a a similar feel to me and that's one of my my favorite Phil songs and for some reason it connected with me on a, a similar level, but I just love this song. I think it's so great. So, uh, Oh, thank you so much. Uh, and I'm so excited now for you to hear this next record too. Cause there's some ones on there that are, that I think are sort of like the evolution of that song. So awesome. I'm, I'm really glad you, you like it. Very cool. I'm here for it, Skylar. I'm here for the, the full range of emotions and all the heavy, <laughs> all the heavy shit that you have brought upon in this record. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I'm glad. I wanted to tell you about how we met sir too, but uh, that's one that we recorded at April base and we did that song in, I was in one studio and the drummer was in another studio, like downstairs and the drummer, Shane Leonard, who's amazing, had never heard the song before. So he was just like listening to it as I was playing it. It's one of the only ones on the record that's live tracked live and um it was just like an amazing experience like a a once-in-a-lifetime recording experience because he we just were like feeling each other through the studio and it was you know you never when when you do something like that you're like this is probably not gonna work but let's just try to like but it was like you know the the energies were there it was very cool well, you can't recreate something like that, I guess, either, right? You can't. No, you can't. You <laughs> Which can't. is very cool. Uh, we end every episode of the podcast with the guest saying the tagline for the show, which is, it's a program. It means absolutely nothing. It's just the way my grandfather says the news program. He says program, and uh, it's just a, a fun way to, to sail the thing out. You can do it however you would like to, and uh, that'll that'll wrap up this uh, this episode of the cast. It's a program. She nailed it, everybody. That's Skylar Gudis, <laughs> and you can check out her music all over the internets and get a physical copy, and those links will be in the episode notes and uh we're playing it out with have we met sir from that cinema album and that's the jelly jams and we will catch you on the flip side portland north carolina wherever you are listening from
Big shout out to Distro Kid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Can't say thank you enough to Distro Kid for their support of this thing. And make sure you go into the episode notes and find that Distro Kid link to receive 30% off your first year of membership with Distro Kid, making their already affordable prices even cheaper for you. So make sure you take advantage of that. And the link is also in uh, the link in my Instagram bio on the link tree. So you can find it there as well. Big thanks to DistroKid. Stay up. Stay tuned. <laughs> 